when I do travel, I do try to see state capitals. I've got 24 of them that I've been to, but I think one of the things that makes our capital so unique is the artwork isn't just Kansas-focused. Whatever state you live in, you're going to want to know about John Brown because he affects so many things in history. Every year, from January to May, legislators from across the state gather in Topeka at the state capitol building. 125 representatives and 40 senators, staff, lobbyists, and stakeholders work to create or amend Kansas law before review by the governor. Most years, the State House would also be open to the public with more than 6,500 annual visitors. This year, however, the pandemic shut down those usual operations. After more than a year, the Visitor Center will be reopening June 14th. I'm Noah Taborda, and on this Kansas Reflector podcast, I go on a tour of the State House, all the way to the very top of the dome, and share a few highlights of what you'll see on your next visit. Our journey through the building is guided by Joe Brentano, whose voice you heard at the beginning of the podcast. He's the Capitol Visitors Center coordinator who has given these tours for 14 years. During his time, the state spent $320 million restoring the building completed in 1903 to its full splendor. The Capitol stands 306 feet from the ground to Ad Astra, the figure at the top of the dome. It is the second tallest traditional dome Capitol building and 17 feet taller than the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Our tour begins in the visitor center on the ground floor of the building, where a series of photographs display the construction process of the State House. It's a French Renaissance style there with the Corinthian columns there, very traditional, but they wanted this grand building because we had come through so much in the bleeding Kansas and in the Civil War that they wanted this grand building. It's built out of our native Kansas limestone quarried in the Flint Hills, all brought in by special rail line. And you'll see about 27 different types of marble in the building and other materials, lots of copper. And we'll see that a bit later too. Traveling toward the center of the building on the ground floor is a museum of sorts with several interesting artifacts from Kansas history, the state fossil, the Kansas-Nebraska Act, and John Brown's sword. The abolitionist is featured at several points throughout the State House, including the first main stop along the way. Here we are in the most famous or well-known mural in the Capitol. It's John Stuart Curry's uh, tragic prelude. The enormous mural in the second floor east wing of the Kansas Capitol is 11 feet 6 inches tall by 31 feet long. It was commissioned and painted from 1937 to 1942. Brentano said Curry, a Kansas-born painter, drew the murals as a sort of timeline of Kansas influence and history. Curry was hired as a native Kansan to, uh, to do these murals in the late 1930s, and he designed this to be a timeline, if you will. So mm. this mural in the uh, East Wing focuses on pre-statehood aspects. So the Spanish influence from the Southwest, we don't often remember or recognize that, but Coronado comes this far into the North American interior to explore uh, the first Christian missionaries, Padre Padilla, arrive at that time there because Santa Fe is the provincial capital of the Spanish Empire. So recognizing the Spanish influence in Kansas 
The painting also depicts dead or about to be dead soldiers on both sides of the Civil War, enslaved people cowering in terror, a prairie fire, and an approaching tornado. And in the center of it all, holding a Bible in one hand and a rifle in the other, is a larger-than-life depiction of John Brown. He wasn't really 11 feet tall, of course, but he is that figure. Intellectuals and writers at the time uh, railed about how bad the slavery institution was, but it's John Brown that really takes it to the next level. He's willing to do anything to achieve the goal. It was met with significant criticism. People were really shocked and upset. They did not like the freak image of John Brown there. They said, why do you want to emphasize those kind of images? But Curry was not the painter who was going to come in here and just paint a pretty field of sunflowers. He really wants to tell how important Kansas is to our nation's history. Curry also painted a mural titled Kansas Pastoral just across the rotunda, depicting the ideal contemporary of Kansas. It was meant to show the, quote, overpowering sensuousness of the land at sunset and its time of abundant harvest, unquote. Statues of some of the most famous figures in Kansas history, Dwight D. Eisenhower, William Allen White, Amelia Earhart, and Arthur Capper, surround the second floor rotunda, as do additional murals not painted by Curry. The governor's office is also on the second floor. The third floor is home to a few of Brentano's favorite spots. In the west wing is the House of Representatives, and in the east, where we're starting, is the Senate. But we're heading into the oldest swing of the Capitol. 1869 is when they moved in here. In the early days, this was a this was the chamber for both houses, and a wall divided it three quarters of the way. So the House, the Senate met in the wing until 1881 when they finished the the west side. And then it's 1885 when they're ready to remodel this into one grand space. And of course, they're the Senate. They want something even better than the House. So as typical, when you see other state capitals, the chambers nearly look identical except for the number of desks. But our chambers are totally different because they were designed a few years apart. So this reflects more of that grand Victorian uh, the Gilded Age. Mm -hmm. This room did not change so much through the years, like the house changed. They painted the ceiling back to the original colors. Everything in here is original, except the light fixtures, again, reproductions of the gas lighting. The Senate is a product of exquisite craftsmanship. Copper columns worked on by Italian artisans, rare marbles, and woods, not often found or at all accessible in modern days, create a warm glow in the room. The house is much brighter in comparison, and of course is larger in size as it houses triple the members. Of all the rooms in the state house, Brentano feels the house may have benefited the most from renovations. The state library is in the north wing of the third floor, and the old Supreme Court room in the south. Outside the old Supreme Court room is the Brown v. Board mural, the first new piece of artwork in 40 years at the state house. The artist is Michael Young. He really creates a pretty vivid collage, if you will, of images. So at the top of the mural, you have the, Brent, the Sumner and Monroe schools that were the schools at the heart of the debate. Oliver Brown's family lived closer to Sumner and wanted to attend, and they were denied. That means Linda Brown has to walk much farther away to the Monroe school. Mm -hmm. Now the case uh, is actually six cases 
or excuse me, five rolled together. The artist has those flags at the top right, South Carolina, Virginia, Kansas, Delaware, and the District of Columbia. The fourth and fifth floors are mostly committee rooms and legislator offices, but an additional tour on the fifth floor can take you even higher to the top of the dome. This is a unique tour because we are one of the first, or one of the few state capitals, excuse me, that allows people to the top. There are 296 stairs in all, which comes out to climbing roughly a 10-story building. These stairs aren't normal, though. They're narrow and open, so they can become increasingly nauseating as you travel up or down. From the fifth floor entrance, the stairs ascend to the exterior of the inner dome before breaking above to the outer dome. From here, you can see the copper dome from the inside and the top of the chandelier. Copper was replaced in the renovation. And unlike the interior, it will continue to oxidize and eventually it will be green again. People have strong opinions about that. People like the green dome, some prefer the bronze. And just in the, whatever it's been, you know, seven years, it's already gone from that shiny copper to that rich flat brown. Until the mid-20th century, the dome was open to anyone, unsupervised, Brentano told me. I took my time ascending the stairs, being careful to look down as little as possible. The harrowing heights are worth it, though, as you break through the roof and onto a small landing running around the top of the dome. The view is tremendous. You can see the Jeffrey Energy plant way out on the horizon. You see the tall stacks and that mm -hmm. plume of condensation there. That's about St. Mary's, Kansas, about wow. 30 miles away. So people ask, how far can we see? It's the plains, so you could probably see, but unless there's a landmark like that, Topeka sits down in a little bit of a bowl, Kansas River Valley, mm -hmm. so you can't really see unless it's something tall uh, beyond. Brentano noted the top of the dome is also home to peregrine falcons. I catch my breath and take in the view before heading back down, even slower this time. On the way down, we chat about the plans for the reopening of guided tours on June 14th. We're gonna give four historic tours daily, so Monday through Friday, that will be 9, 11, 1, and 3. And on Saturdays, our hours are 10 to uh, 5, or 4, excuse me, 10 to 4, and we're gonna give tours at 10, 11, 1, and 3. And what about the dome tour? As conditions allow, get better to reopen the dome, but we'll evaluate that a bit later. The gift shop will also reopen and the caged elevator in the East Wing will begin running again. The Kansas Museum of History is also now open 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Wednesday to Saturday. Thanks for listening to the Kansas Reflector podcast. I'm your host and producer, Noah Taborda. Senior reporter Tim Carpenter will be hosting the podcast next week. Until then, thanks for listening, Kansas.